Welcome to Bible Q&A, a monthly discussion with Luther Seminary faculty about everything you wanted to know about the Bible, but were afraid to ask. I'm Eric Barreto. I'm Cameron Howard. And joining us today are Michael Chan, who teaches Old Testament here at the seminary. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Greetings. It's great to be here. And also joining us today is Terry Elton, who teaches children, youth, and family here at the seminary, continuing the series on kids and the Bible. Great to be here. Thanks. So, Michael, you've written this great essay for us on talking with young people about adult content in the Bible. Now, we all know if we have read the Bible, you know, past the lectionary passages that we might hear in the pulpit every Sunday, that there is uh, some... Uh, material that is not necessarily age appropriate for <laughs> Can children we say salacious? and teens. Salacious. We could. That's a good yeah. word. Yeah. Um, and some of it is troubling. There's violence. There's sex. There's um, a lot of uh, betrayal. I mean, you know, Great all the stuff. stuff that makes a good HBO <laughs> <Great> drama <laughs> is right there in the Bible. But when it comes to talking with children and youth about these texts, where do we start? Well, I think we really need to start by asking a really good set of questions. I think that's where we need to begin is, you know, if we're, if we're in the role of a, of a parent or a, for instance, a pastor or a youth pastor, we need to know what, you know, what would be appropriate for that particular age? What might the parents think is, is appropriate for them? And so I think we need to start at that level and then try to, uh, you know, kind of gauge how, which texts are appropriate to introduce at this time and how might one go about doing that. And in the essay, I think, I'm much more interested in asking the how question as opposed mm-hmm. to figuring out uh, figuring out you know what should be uh, uh, it introduced when. I'm interested in how that conversation can happen when the leaders or parents actually determine it's appropriate. And I wonder if there's a sense in which kids and young people can really be our guides for us. That the kind of questions that they ask, the kind of insights that they carry will give us really good clues. Um, we were talking earlier, I think yeah. Terry, and I, Terry yeah, was mentioning Michael, this. I was thinking about in children, youth, and family, often when we talk about things in society, whether it be sex or violence or whatever, yeah. often it's letting the kids take the lead, and you note that yeah. in this. And I think about just some specific examples of when, when kids will ask a question, let's say it's a preschooler, and and we often let's say it's around sex we often as parents maybe have this concern about having the talk or putting yeah. all the information out there and so we jump to conclusions rather right. than first listening yep. to yeah. what is the actual question and what's behind that i think yeah. that's an idea especially as you talk about uh, critical inquiry and right. and listening to young people's questions say more about how would you imagine that in the story no i think that's a that is a great question or a great point to make and the thing is that the Bible is a deeply human document, right? Mm-hmm. This thing emerges within culture and, and specifically in response to deep life questions. What happens when we die? Why right. do we die? Why are we the way that we are? And so those questions are still being asked in the mm-hmm. contemporary culture and also by our children. And so I think we should take advantage of the fact that the Bible is really asking many of the same questions that we're asking now and do precisely what you're saying, which is to listen to how the questions in the culture are being raised, how our children are interpreting them, and then maybe how the biblical text might be getting at some similar questions. And so I think you're right. We have to start with where our youth are and with where their questions are because we, it's it's quite easy to rush off into what you know into our own assumptions about what's going on. Now, recently my my 5-year-old has been asking a lot of questions. My grandfather passed away about a year ago. And every once in a while she'll ask me, "Your abuelo died, right?" Hmm. And I think she just wants to practice saying that out loud. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> not that we're perfect parents, but I think that we've kind of allowed her the freedom. I think mm-hmm. some, when kids talk about death, I, I get really anxious about it. Yeah. But to give them the freedom to, to kind of just voice it, to kind of live into it and know they might ask questions that we might not think are appropriate, but to kind of figure out well, what's behind that question and, you know, turn it right back on them because they'll tell us why they're asking or what they what they're thinking. Because, yeah, yeah, sometimes we make logical leaps. Right. I think they're yeah. asking, like with sex, they're asking a right. biological question when they don't care. Right. They're not even thinking that. Right. They're asking just it's sometimes a very basic question. And you know what I like about that, Eric, is that resisting the temptation just to give these very certain answers or even answers to questions that they're not asking, yeah. we we teach them to practice living in the tension of questions, mm. which mm-hmm. is something that I think I mentioned in the essay that we often think about the Bible as a book of answers, yeah. but we need to think about it also yeah. as a book of questions yeah. that are open questions still in the, the Bible. Bible doesn't give certain answers to. And so I think you're right. We have to help cultivate this kind of culture of critical inquiry. And one way of doing that is to let questions hang and and to let them sort of live within the Mm -hmm. household or within the youth group or within the church, whatever it might be. What I've been getting in my household lately is, is the Easter bunny real? Ah. And the way... (laughs) I keep lobbing that one back. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, that's great. just to think. How do you, how do you think through? And that that simple sort of responding to that question with what, what do you think first? Now, I think not only um, sort of lets you hear where that question is coming from. What's the anxiety behind yeah. it, so that you're not addressing, as you all have said, the wrong thing. Um, but it also gives them a chance to to have a voice and be heard, yeah. you know, yeah. to sort of appreciate children as partners in these <clears throat> hard conversations and not as just sort of the the student with the parent yeah. as the teacher. Well, I think yeah. um, one of the things, Michael, that you brought up that I think is often at the heart of some of these questions, it has to do with two things about sin in the world and right. brokenness, right. which is one thing we're often uncomfortable, but is clearly in the Bible as it is mm-hmm. in our real life. Right. But also around who is God in, in the story? Why is God yeah. absent or is God doing this? Or yeah. And I think that, Cameron, to your point, they're asking deep theological, real yeah. lived experience kinds of questions that if we can join into that, yeah. Um, the Bible maybe doesn't have, like you said, have these mm-hmm. answers, but we can start asking things about their time and things of our time. Yeah, yeah I think it's precisely because, our, yeah, they're so much more aware of the world around them, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes what we do with, I mean, one option is to shelter kids from these really terrible stories, which I think it's, you know, depending on different ages, we have to do that. But if we yeah. shelter them for too long, they might get the sense right. that holiness has nothing to do with the brokenness exactly. of the world that they see. So mm-hmm. they, my, my daughter knows my grandfather died, and we can teach her indirectly that the Bible has nothing to say about that because nobody seems to die, and there isn't any violence in the mm-hmm. Bible because we're sheltering them from that. Mm-hmm. So is there a way to kind of invite them in and show them that the Bible actually is reflective of, of the world that they're seeing around them? Right. And Michael, I love what you say. Your very first point here is fear not. Yeah. And you make well, you make the wonderful point that God meets us uh, yeah. in this process. That we are not just sort of floundering out here on our own, but that uh, God meets us either by you know the resources uh, present themselves. You know, we start looking. Uh, God will meet us in that way. Or with courage, uh, which I think is, and the courage to say, I don't know, which can be a hard Mm -hmm, thing. mm -hmm. I think it's, even for non-parents, anybody that 
you know, shoulders the, the burden of teaching youth has this anxiety of what if I don't have the right answer, which in itself is a problematic question, right, as we've mm-hmm. already discussed. But mm-hmm. what if I just don't have the resources? What am I supposed to do if I'm just clueless about how to handle a situation? And I think that can produce a lot of anxiety and, and push us in the direction of trying to find certain answers. But I think if, if we can enter into these conversations with kids knowing that God loves that child just as much as we do, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and is at our back and is interested in this child's development, and that the spirit is caught up in the child's questions, right. caught up in our responses. Right. If we can just lean hard into that grace, I think we'll be in a better place and we'll feel a little bit more freedom to use what's available to us at the moment. Mm-hmm. But Michael, I like that you, you too, though, challenge us as the adults um, and as the intergenerational community mm-hmm. to know some things and to speak yeah. into what our perspective is or our learning. And and I think one of the challenges that we have is to not have the Bible have to have all the answers, but to keep being yeah. an inquirer, to keep yeah. to keep learning. And maybe our kids' questions or the, the young people in our, our yeah. youth ministry, they're going to challenge us to go look deeper or to yeah. ask some harder questions or maybe to face... You know, where is God in these what seems really violent kind of right. moments? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to sit in that and dwell with them in those texts. Yeah, not to, not to scrub away the violence right. and, and these terrible edges of this. I think that's, that's mm-hmm. a disservice, both to like either do it too early or just not to do it at all, I think, are two ditches we can avoid. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, we can say, is there similar things today? I think there's a lot of brokenness that we don't want to talk about in church. And you know what's so interesting is that we don't want to talk about it in church. All you have to do is turn on a top 40 pop station. Exactly. All this stuff is there. <laughs> Guilt, shame, uh, brokenness. And greed. Greed. Right. <laughs> and it's open greed. Right. It's like, yeah, you know, right. this is what I, I want these material things. Yeah. But... Uh, we shouldn't be ashamed to talk about those things or afraid. And I think, you know, parents should be aware of these things going on in media that it always baffles me when people say that sin is an irrelevant concept. It's like, do you, do you listen to the popular (laughs) culture? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the notion that brokenness and the people hurt one another is all over the place. (laughs) And we should tap into those resources when we're talking about these difficult issues. And another point you make too, that I think is so helpful is that um, we have resources in our communities, particularly in intergenerational communities. So I I heard a church member say once back in Atlanta that church is one of the only places in our society where a four-year-old can be best friends with an Mm. 80-year-old, where these relationships are cultivated. And so, um, communities of faith are a great place for you know why don't you ask um, you know your grandmother or mm-hmm. Aunt Nancy or your friend um, who's much much older who will bring experiences that we as parents have not yet had but that grandparents bring and then that grandparents um, and older adults learn from children and remember right. from yeah. children that that's a nurturing relationship in both directions yeah. I even think of some of the imagination of some people um, that have served in the military, some of the church grandparents Mm -hmm. kind of people and kids getting to just talk, what was that like? And, And my sense is that that is a way to honor someone that has given service to our country wow. in, in a particular yeah. way that we don't always know what to do with, but also of, of them bringing broad into that real people hmm. are right. involved in, yeah. that, in that kind of way. Yeah. And, and storytelling hmm. is something that I think we can, 
um, jump off on in these intergenerational communities. And and maybe even, I, and I think especially as kids get older, having people that have had hard stories mm-hmm. in our in our communities actually share them in an appropriate setting yeah. um, and talk about God's presence in the midst of the brokenness. Yeah. I just think those conversations really are important. The ones that don't put God on kind of a flat plane. Say, yeah. This is how God is and this is how right. it always is. Because that's the kind of faith that Richard Dawkins, for instance, is fighting against. You know, these are kind of his caricature mm-hmm. yeah. of the Christian faith. And it is. It's a caricature. Anybody who, nobody would want to believe <laughs> what, what his closet, you know, his Christian, you know, caricature believes. But to introduce complexity at a young yeah. age, I think, at an, in an age-appropriate way, of course. Mm-hmm. But it... it in terms of the long term of raising children, you know, future church leaders and also future citizens, mm-hmm. it's crucial that mm-hmm. this complexity is there because if you view the current um, kind of religious discourse within America, it's profoundly simplistic. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. and oftentimes it, it is rooted in a lack of nuance and, mm-hmm. and a lack of willingness to allow questions to stand in tension with one another. So we're really doing a service to the church, to our children, and to larger society. We're saving yeah. the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, Michael, the interesting thing is with children, even probably more so than adults, um, if they're in a safe environment where there's integrity in the people around them, they can deal with right. a lot of complexity in yeah. the story. Yeah. And, and, and so interestingly enough, they're less concerned about the facts of the story yeah. and more yeah. concerned about the people they're in conversation with. Yeah. And that brings up just one uh, last point I think is very important about creating a safe environment. Yeah. I'm glad right. you said that. So it is not a safe thing to sort of suddenly pummel a room right. full of children with the scariest texts in the Bible, right? That does not create a safe space for <laughs> right. Look, kids, learning and the theological world. reflection. <laughs> right, there is something that's very mm. important, you know, our child protection policies in our churches right. need to be thoughtful not only about mm-hmm. sort of background checks and, and safe, mm-hmm. you know, literal physical safety, um, but also how do you cultivate conversations in ways that are yeah. that are mm-hmm. open but yes. that are not yeah. belligerent. Yeah. yeah. So it feels like we just started opening this up. These are big conversations yeah. that these churches need to have. So great conversation, guys. Thanks a lot for being here today. Thank you for joining us on Bible Q&A. You can find more information at enterthebible.org. Join us again.